There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen. This is the greatest case study on man, and we're looking at the conscious journey of man. In itself, there is uh, a, a history of toxic masculinity in this world, and it's just culturally and you know, through the spanning of time, we've had a specific role to play in this world as a man, and it's definitely changing as this world changes, and this is exactly what this audio series is about, is seeing what the new man looks like nowadays and to help those going through those struggles of that change who are in that transition now. And I'm here with my brother from Bali, Andrew McFarlane. Man, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day. Happy it is to be here. Thank you, brother. Thank you for joining me. And um, your Instagram's thankful, Andrew. I, I guess like actually doing a podcast with you before and seeing you like this, it, you can actually see why, like for me, the energy of Thankful Andrew, the name actually is embodied with you. Like you just have a very like appreciative and calm nature. Do you get told that a lot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I hear that. I hear people say these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting about like also how we define ourselves. And I always have, or I should say, I've grown to become more sensitive how I perceive myself because I've found that there can be a lot of um, danger in having too much self-awareness, right? Like in, in a certain degree, right? Like having a presence of peace and joy doesn't need the uh, reflection of I am this way because you're existing in it. And so um, in the same way, I think it's, it's interesting when people will reflect back to you uh, mm-hmm versus how you identify as being right you we all think we're one way and then the world comes back and says oh you're this way or this is what i'm experiencing yeah. and depending on who it is you know they'll see what they see yeah that's a good way to put it man the projections so mm-hmm. where did you grow up brother and, and where do you live now so i was born in florida and um i grew up as an actor so i i moved to la i started acting quite young at about 12 years old uh, primarily because I really wasn't a huge fan of school. And I also was very, I guess you could say, creative. I love to perform. 
And so started doing that when I was 12 and then moved to LA at 14 and then was in LA for you know, 20 years, give or take. And then I moved to Bali and I still kind of bounce back and forth, but I spend most of my year in Bali after the last about three years or more. Yeah, wicked man. And how old are you now? I'm going to be turning 36 in about a couple of weeks. Oh, in August. So, yeah. Man, you've had a good life. I'll tell you, you don't, you don't look older than 30 at all. It must, <laughs> it must be the juicing that you were, you were quite into, maybe. hey, looking after the health. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And brother, what are you doing for a living right now? What do you do for, to produce income? Yeah, so when I stopped acting, I, started, I got really into health and so I started a juice company and then uh, started with a mobile vehicle. So we were selling juice on the side of the road and then eventually opened up a storefront, eventually opened another storefront and ran this company for quite a number of years, maybe five or six years, and then eventually um, sold this business and started a consulting firm. So we are kind of the alternative to the franchise when people want to start healthy food service concepts, they come to us and we help them build their brands out, their concept menu and everything A to Z. So that's what a lot of my time and attention goes to. Wow, powerful. And are you still acting in any way, shape or form? Because I know there's like a, you've got a YouTube channel, I've seen some Instagram videos there. It's, it's actually yeah. really awesome what you do. But are, you, <laughs> are you planning on doing that more often? I have this really, like for me, it's interesting because I always distinguish the experience of acting and creating from what I also know as the entertainment industry. Yeah. And so I don't participate in the entertainment world formally at this stage, but I do create content every now and again, I'll have this idea as you know, a funny skit or something that I think I would like to film. And so I do feel like uh, in all mediums being creative, I also make music. There's so many things that are such a, uh, that I have such a deep connection to in my human expression and mm-hmm. acting be one. Um, I feel like I'd be surprised if that's something I, I don't continue to do throughout my life. It's just a matter of, of how. Mm, yeah. Well, so the next question is, what's one thing you're really good at? I mean, I've seen your videos. Yes, I would say acting is one thing you're really good at. But is there anything else that you think like you're really good at or people comment on at all with you? Um, many years back, I, I was reading this book and they said, if you really want to become aware of the value that you bring to the world, send 10 of your closest friends an email and ask them, you know, what is one thing that I do distinctly better than other people? Or, um, you know, what's the feeling that you get from me? And something that kept coming back to me was interesting because as I received it, I started to connect to it and go, oh yeah, that's it. Um, And people were sharing that I oftentimes give them a quality of confidence and fearlessness to pursue whatever goals that they have. And I think that that is naturally a byproduct of how I've chosen to live because I've never had a conventional life. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I relate to that because you know, some of my favorite conversations that I have with people are about you know, either starting businesses or changing a habit or doing something that I feel like is going to impact their trajectory. Uh, and also something that I've learned through this process of being an entrepreneur is the importance of having self-awareness around what your core skill sets are. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that in most situations, I am a communicator. So I'm communicating the vision. I'm a strategizer. Um, and I, I like to build teams. So uh, if anything, uh, I think good is such a, is such a, like I understand what's being asked in that question, right? Like what do I feel like my zone of genius is? But I also get really hesitant when I think about this good because it's so binary. It's like, good compared to who and who's measuring it, like who gets to say. 
And so I think comparatively, um, it's hard. But inside of myself, if, if I was to say that there are things that I identify with having, you know, uh, an, an aptitude towards or a skill uh, of I love to communicate, uh, you know, I always feel more energized when I'm done having a powerful conversation, whereas I know some people shy away from that. And, uh, and yeah, and so for me, communication and, and strategizing feels like things that I identify with having a, yeah, an aptitude towards. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about like you have a natural confidence and sort of attitude that just pursues something because you've had a, a different life. It's like mm-hmm. almost like you don't really see any limitations. Like there's no self-imposed limits on you for like going after something that you believe in or want to do. And perhaps that's probably why you've just decided to do the abnormal thing and live in Bali and mm-hmm. live a different life, you know. And so it's interesting because there's a lot of people that out there and, and we've probably all got them in a, in another way. Is like in having these self-imposed limits, these, these limiting beliefs. And I guess that's probably one thing why you have those good conversations because you can, you can see it from a different perspective of like helping people, you know, step through a bad habit. So it's definitely a gift to be able to help people just like rise up when you're, when you're up there and you're just like not above them, but you're just lifting them up to their next level. But it's a good point that you mentioned about uh, comparison because that is, that is crippling. Right, like, and and it's interesting because you see, no one's really seen that question as like good at compared to who, and it's such a relevant point at this in this part of just my life right now because, you know, that's one of the things I'm working through. It's complete transparency, right? Is like, yeah, I you know I do compare myself to other people and and mm-hmm. to the point where it's it can be very crippling. But you've got to remember, like, we're in chapter, we might be in chapter three of our our journey. And that person we're comparing ourselves is in chapter 20. So it's like a constant reminder to just, you're in your own book, stay in your own lane and compare yourself to who you were yesterday, right? Yeah, and I think that everything that we look at externally, we are associating with it having some contribution to our state of being. So if we're looking at someone else's life and we're saying they're more successful than I am, the only reason I would desire their level of success is because I believe that having that is going to equate to a deeper level of happiness mm-hmm. for me, right? Some sort of qualitative experience that they must be having that I'm projecting that I believe I want, because a lot of times I would, you know, I kind of pose this question to people uh, when they look at someone else who has more success as an example. And I say, okay, you want what they have, but do you actually want their lifestyle? Do you want to sleep three hours a night? Do you want to not see your friends and family? Do you want most of your day to be filled with board meetings? And when we contextualize it that way, people oftentimes are like, actually, no, I don't want that lifestyle. I just want the results. Well, you can't get one without the other. And so it's like they say, we want the fruit without the tree. Yeah. And for me, what ha- helps if I ever find myself in this subtle, like, uh, comparison, I, f- I, I look back at my life and I think, how happy am I? Like, what is my state of joy, my state of peace? It's profound. And if anything, I realize that letting go of comparison and letting go of certain desires and, and, and um, uh, shallow ambitions are the thing that actually lead to a greater happiness and peace. Because yeah. I've been, in, you know, for me growing up as an actor, I've had things and accomplished things that a lot of people might look at. I might be that person for other people, yeah, right? Totally. Other people might look at me and think, wow, 
how gifted, you know, or how blessed and how fortunate this person is. And yes, totally I am in many ways, but I've also seen the limitation of that. I've also seen that money's not going to make you happy. Fame's not going to make you happy, right? Your level of congruence and integrity and truthfulness and, and you knowing what you're capable of, right? I, I really love this speaker named Michael Bernard Beckwith. He has a spiritual center in LA, but he often says that true joy can only come from the activation of one's potential, right? So you know what you're capable of. You could even be the best at something, but if you knew you were capable of doing more, I don't feel like in yourself, you could truly be fulfilled and be happy. So mm. the measuring stick can only come from you. Yeah. Everyone else's path is so unique. Mm, that's beautiful, man. The, um, I love Michael Bernard Beckwith. That's a powerful quote. It yeah. just like really resonated with me. Um, what's one of your biggest fears right now? I oftentimes, I, I don't know if it's, if it's specific to right now. I think it's a constant. I often look at my life backwards, meaning I'm sitting on my deathbed and I'm looking at how have I chosen to live? And someone once said, how you're living is how you're dying, right? How we're living is how we're dying, if we acknowledge it. And so I often have a fear that I will look back at my life and feel like I could have lived more powerfully. And so most of my fear comes from uh, the any lost potential that might be in my life, which I feel like has motivated me a lot. But as human beings, you know, we have so much potential, we don't even realize it, right? When we're comparing ourselves to people as well, oftentimes I think we're living in time. And then I often look at other beings who have created cataclysmic shift in a positive way and felt like they weren't really living in time. They were living in their own reality and just bring that into time. And so uh, mm. for me, I fear being a victim of limitations that I've unconsciously agreed to uh, adopt that were not my own and that were not imposed upon me by life. And so I'm constantly trying to take inventory with that. You know, I have a fear of mediocrity. I have a fear yeah. of complacency. I have a fear of, of, of that because, you know, they're we only have so much time on this planet yeah. and I fear, I fear not recognizing the beauty of life and the beauty of the opportunities that are in front of me until they're gone. And so I try to do my best to always be present to that, that this breath, mm. you know, this is it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like I, I um, <clears throat> did a video on TikTok the other day and it was uh, about the five regrets of the dying, the yeah. palliative, you know, the palliative care nurse that did that. Yeah, 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 and so it, you know that's like that's one of the most beautiful pieces of writing because it shows you of people that have actually like a lot of people that have actually sitting there on their deathbed and they've what regrets they had or what they would have done differently and like if we can learn from their mistakes in that sense and actually just adopt that into our life because you know I just turned thirty and I'm like wow I'm never going to experience my twenties again and it really hit me it's like wow I never experienced those like those, you know, traveling and going partying and all that, even though that's a lifestyle that I don't lead, but it was very much fun. And it's like, it just shows, goes to show, like, don't take this for granted, this life thing, because this is the first time in this life that I've ever been at this age. And yeah. same as you, like, we've never, we're charting new territories day by day by day. And 
this is going to be gone just like that. Like this moment is gone now. And so, yeah, it, what you said really, really does stand out to me as I get older. And the effect now is is a, is is bigger because shit, we get our body's not aging, or the body's not healing itself at the rate it used to. Um, mm. Our mind's never going to be this sharp, you know. So, what can we do each day to like live our full potential? Yeah, man, that's a, that's the inner work. I feel like in in I always I think about this like principle of displacement right this is something that is existing in physics it's like you've got water and the water comes into an empty cup and it's displaced in the air and then there's always this experience of one loss creating something else that is gained but oftentimes we don't realize what is gained and we're focused on what we lose and so while you know something else happens in our body when we're young yeah you take things for granted now gratitude is built right, for the moments that you're healthy and that you're vibrant. And then if you have something else that, you know, maybe becomes seen as a loss, I'm always thinking, well, if I've lost something, I also have gained something, but do I see it? Do I know what it is? And, and can I nurture that? And so as much as it is so important to be present to, you know, what you have, also realize that all of these things will go because people can get attached to them. I think when you become overly and hyper aware of of the fleeting nature of the body, for example. And that's all you know. You've invested all of your energy in the body. And so all you can see is what you're losing. Mm. Whereas for me and part of my journey, and maybe we'll dive into this more, but I'm so cognizant and aware of realities beyond this body. And so, yeah, it's going to come and it's going to go. And, you know, we can't be too attached to um, the things that we can't control and also realize what life is giving us through, mm. through, the relief sometimes, right? It can feel like a knot, right? What is the relief of, of surrender and release and, and, and not having, right? There's freedom. I think even in lifestyle, right? We've grown up in worlds that have taught us to accumulate. And, and although having more and being more is great, but it's also a burden. There's a paradox, like actually having more responsibility, running a company, having more money, like now questioning the relationships around you and seeing what people's motivations are. You lose trust. Sometimes there's so many uh, things that come with what we gain and what we lose. And I found that throughout my life, I've had to be very conscious of what I accumulate and even the things that I take on, whether it's client projects or starting new companies, because I found so much joy in freedom and in simplicity, which is why I don't own a lot of things because I don't want the burden of ownership. You know, you own something. Yeah, it's nice to have. Okay, do you want the car? But you got to pay insurance in the car. You got to maintain it. Somebody crashes into you. You got to take care of that. There's just more that comes with having more. So we have to be aware of, of sort of the, mm. the, the duality or the two-sided point and the paradox of gaining and losing things. Mm. Definitely some wise words there, man. You're going to be a spiritual teacher at some point in your life? Is that a question? Yeah, no, it's 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 not. just a question for you. <laughs> I feel like um, I feel anybody who identifies with being a spiritual teacher, uh, that's a dangerous that's a dangerous mechanism to title to take on because ultimately, you know, something that I've grown to question. I feel like early on in my journey, I, I was so concerned with trying to be spiritual. Yeah. And, what does that mean to be spiritual? Okay, well, I need to have this or I need to move this way. All kinds of things that didn't reflect my authentic expression. 
So I was putting myself, you know, spirituality in in the truest essence is the transcendence of any box or or confine. But label. then when we yeah. or label, right? And when we create a label around it of what does it mean to be spiritual or who you are mm. as a spiritual creature, now you become an actor. Now you're someone who is playing a part. Now, if people learn things and, and have spiritual awakenings or insights based on my presence, great. Um, my intention isn't to do that. My intention is to be as truthful and as authentic as possible. And I've often said that true, true spiritual teachers are really just the most committed and dedicated students in disguise. Learning is a byproduct. Learning from someone is a byproduct. But when someone has the intention to teach you, they're no longer listening. And they've also created a hierarchy in the dynamic of assuming that they know something you don't, right? Mm. And to me, that is a trap for anybody who decides to, to take that on. And, and, and it's been something that I've attempted to avoid and, and kind of a karma to work through. And while at the same time, I, I wouldn't say I'm uh, ignorant of certain truths, there are things that I, I have that I can share with people, but I feel like there's a certain quality that is important to uh, maintain as being a perpetual student to never lose that as, as a primary objective and as a core value uh, in the pursuit of trying to be some spiritual teacher, which I don't feel like, um, you know, I don't know that's necessary. Yeah, I get that, man. Thank you for that. What's your favorite quote? Or what's one of your favorite quotes? Mm, this one always comes to me. And I've heard it in different um, forms, but it's to be mindful of your thoughts because your thoughts create your words. Be mindful of your words because your words create your actions. Be mindful of your actions because your actions create your habits. Be mindful of your habits because your habits create your character. And to be mindful of your character because your character will create your destiny. Mm. For me, this is so powerful because it reminds me of the subtle to gross manifestation of life. For me, being someone who has uh, been committed to a practice of meditation for, for a little bit of time, I am watching that always, what the subtle uh, ripples of mind are and the thoughts and where they sit in the body and how that creates, you know, uh, a posture, a contortion, a way of being, a way of feeling, and how life is just this, um, is reflected from the gross to the subtle. Right? In yoga, they often use this metaphor of um, water, ice, and vapor, really being the same substance, but existing in different forms, mm. right? And something is moving very slow, slowly. This is the gross manifestation of life. When we get into that density, right, and something becomes a part of your character and becomes part of your habit, what is another quote? It was something like the, the chains of habits are often too subtle to feel until they're too heavy to break. Something to this effect. Like when you actually become aware that something is a bad habit, at that point, you've been invested in it for so long that it becomes such a challenge. It becomes this huge burden to release. And so this is why it's important and it's uh, benefit to be aware on the subtle levels. When does it start as a thought? Yeah. When does it become my speech? When does it become my actions and my habits and, and my character? Mm. So, I mean, the essence, the first step of that would be, because that's one of the most beautiful quotes. I love that. And does it begin with self-awareness? Everything in life, I feel. any Everything in life that will give you the level of empowerment to create your mm. experience 
because you can be unaware of things and it's creating your experience. And you can be aware of things and say, oh, now I see how investing my energy in believing this thought or taking on this action, because many times you're either doing it or you become aware and there's a little bit of space because that's what awareness is. It's, it's, it's distance from the thought or the activity. And you realize, oh, I can choose to now invest my energy in taking on that action or believing that thought, yeah. or I have enough awareness and space to say, yeah, that's it's arising and I, it's come and it's gone. And it hasn't become a seed that's germinated in the soil of my experience and my consciousness. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful, man. What's a conscious man to you, Andrew? I guess the question that I have back for that, you, would you say conscious man in distinction, because you're using this word man as opposed to conscious human, is it the distinction between what is make a con- what's a conscious man versus what is a conscious woman? Mm. Is there, do you feel there's a distinct difference in what does it mean to be a conscious man versus being a conscious human? Yeah, I think, well, in the sense of the masculine, the the conditioned masculine that we're mm-hmm. sort of shifting away from and what yeah. they're looking well what is it what is the path lead to from unconscious to a conscious man and and yeah I, I believe there are subtle differences with a conscious man especially if you're looking at the unconscious man but mm-hmm. in general there's definitely a lot overlapping between man and woman yeah and I think that in in this kind of evolution of this conversation I feel what's interesting about the social narrative in, as far as masculinity is concerned, femininity is concerned, it's like we've gone from a time where I feel we've rejected all gender roles, and then we start to go, oh, but there's a difference in the energy, and we and these energies exist mm-hmm. inside men and women, right? Women have masculine energy, men have feminine energy, and a lot of times the distortion or chaos or confusion has come from an imbalance of understanding where that's meant to fit in your individual life, how much femininity you were meant to move with. And, yeah. and another way we can define it is the feminine is receiving. So to listen is feminine. To speak would be masculine, mm. right? And so actually understanding that even anatomically, right? Men are extroverted. Women are introverted. So there is, a, there is the masculine movement. And in, even in yoga as well, they say that like, like space is Shiva, right? Movement is Shakti. Shiva is the embodiment of the masculine movement and creation so everything we see we would say is feminine things that are moving mm. so man or the masculine i should say is that spaciousness it's that stillness it's that resolve it's that groundedness right um and i feel in all of this if i can speak for my own journey it's the, the blossoming and maturing into understanding the balance within myself of of having a certain uh, presence in the world as maybe a protector in some ways, we can even say biologically, but even as a presence, being willing and inspired to give in a certain way, right? To nurture in a certain way that feels uh, particular to me as an individual, but also I'm connecting that to my biology as a man. Um, I find great joy in being able to support people to whatever degree that I can financially. I also find great joy in being a, a presence of, of, of calm and peace in chaos. Now, does it mean just a man can do this? No, women can do this as well. It's, it's, it's a part of what we're all capable of. But for me, what I feel I've blossomed into is even how I relate to women in some ways, right? 
for me, it's, it's been interesting and kind of unique because I grew up around women. So I feel unlike other men that I was around, I always had another kind of level of sensitivity to the female experience. Mm. Um, you know, two sisters, my mom, my father wasn't really around as a kid. And so I got to experience women in a different way. And just because of that, I feel like I have an affinity and appreciation for women that um, men that I've observed don't always have. But for me, it's a matter of really getting conscious and saying, oh, what is the, what is the way that women are also appreciative of a male presence, helping them feel safe, right? Protected, secure, um, to whatever degree I'm capable of. And that feels beautiful to be able to offer that as a quality. And even this word, um, you know, dominion, right? Domain. I think sometimes people misinterpret this as dominance. So men have dominion sometimes over a space or over an environment. And so they choose to dominate as opposed to caretake, right? Because mm-hmm. to have dominion is to really say, this is your space. And there's so many things you can do with that, with having a certain presence within a certain space. And that might just be in your family, right? It might just, it might be in your relationship. It might be in your community. So part of me uh, evolving as a human being and as a man has been uh, the acknowledgement of the power. And I mean, not power over, but true resonance and power that I embody as an individual, even as a, as someone who has employees and, and understanding your impact and your influence. There's a spiritual teacher, um, named Sadhguru, and he talks about how when you, when you grow in magnitude and you become an elephant, an elephant has to be very conscious of how they move. When you're an ant, you can walk all over everything, right? You can walk on people's heads and stay, because nobody feels your presence. So as you evolve and as you become more empowered and powerful, just in your resonance, you have to become equally sensitive to your impact because mm-hmm. things that are small to you, things that might be small to me could be huge. Something I might say to someone that might feel a little bit critical or might be could could be something that they sit with for weeks. It could change the trajectory of even their self image. Whereas for me, it doesn't matter because I'm not conscious of that. So for me, it's also been growing in my awareness of the impact of all of my actions and realizing that in many scenarios, it's not, it's not minuscule. It's not a small thing. It's a big thing. And, and taking that responsibility as well. Mm-hmm. Having an awareness of your power and your impact is interesting. It's like, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a, a point that hasn't really been raised to this question is like, as a man, you have a natural ability to be the guardian and yeah. the protector and like being aware of what that responsibility really is. So I like that, man. That's cool. And what's one thing that's challenging you right now? For me, it's interesting because I'm at this phase in my business where things are growing quite a lot and I've just brought in a lot of staff and um, my lifestyle is kind of changing a little bit. Um, and so I, I feel it's not that it's severely challenging, but it's somewhat challenging in the process of maintaining um, grace. This is what thing I'm always like sitting with is like, there's, you can create whatever you want to create in your life. The question is, how do you do it? And what kind of energy do you bring to it? So for me, I'm, I'm being in that process of balance and maintaining grace while understanding that we've got client deadlines and we've got things and like, and not putting too much pressure, but not having uh, too much complacency to where things don't get done. I often use this analogy that um, harmony is the balance between ease and tension and like a guitar string. 
has to have a certain kind of tension on it. If it's too tight, it will snap. If it's too loose, the sound is dull, right? So harmony is actually this balance between ease and tension. We need a certain level of tension in our experience in order to create, in order to grow, in order to evolve. Just like if you go to the gym and you want to expand you know, your fitness, you have to challenge yourself to a certain point. But if you actually go too far, you can break the body and you can harm yourself. So it's a healthy amount. And I feel like right now I'm in that space where it's a healthy amount of challenge and I'm growing with it, but I acknowledge it that it's there and maintaining that grace and balance between how much sleep I'm getting, mm. you know, how much pressure I put on my staff, where I can support them in their growth, um, for myself, my lifestyle. It's just that like, you know, it feels like surfing, like mm. surfing away and having the right surfboard and just catching it at the right time. Uh, that's something that feels present for me mm. as well. Cool, man. Cool. And what's unconditional love mean to you? It means realization of yourself, right? I feel we, we can only love people the way we love ourselves in the same way that we can only give what we have. Mm. And a lot of us, and for me, I, I can't say I exist in this way fully all the time, but I've touched it in moments where I've really seen that, oh, my heart is the heart of everyone. It's manifest differently depending on our awareness and our ignorances and our past and and everything but we all want the same things every person you look into the eyes of wants to be loved wants to feel happy feel joy they it's the same for everyone the expressions are different and having this re realization of the sameness that is inside of every single person mm. inside of yourself you start to realize oh okay I, I i love this person and i love life itself because i am that mm. not because of anything else because I am that, that is me. Mm. And I love myself because I know myself. So to me, it's, it's, they correlate, like actually realizing what you are, mm. having full realization and acceptance and love for yourself, then as a symptom spills over and you say, oh, I love, but there is, I think we objectify love, but it's not that. I love because I am love, mm. right? I don't love because of something else. And if it can come, it can go. That's another thing to be aware of. And not to say that there isn't um, the need to have preferences and conditions and, and boundaries and on relationships. I think sometimes people conflate the two. They think, well, I'm unconditionally loving, so I have no boundaries and you can do whatever yeah, you want yeah, to me. Yeah. I still love you and love, you know, great. I don't resonate with that. For me, what feels resonant is I can, I can love you and I can, I can know where you're coming from and simultaneously say, okay, well, in order for this dynamic and friendship or partnership or family relationship to persist and to blossom, there's conditions at which we have to meet one another. We have to be respectful. We have to be, you know, we have to be aware of certain things for this to exist. The body has conditions. Something happens, it's going to go. Your spirit, right? Beyond life, infinite, really no conditions. It's here no matter what, but it will go through all things and the circumstance will change. And so for me, sometimes people um, think it's either one or the other. Right? They think either I love unconditionally or I love conditionally. And for me, it's both. It's understanding when and where those apply. When is the difference between you being able to love someone unconditionally and simultaneously out of that unconditional love saying this relationship shouldn't persist anymore yeah. for now. Right? Yeah. And this, this doesn't feel aligned. This is my way of loving. I've had friendships in the past that um, have gone through ebbs and flows, you know, 20 year friendships where as part of those relationships in moments, I had to look at that person and say, 
because I love you, I yeah. can't be around this anymore. I see you damaging and harming yourself and my presence might give you the illusion that I condone this, but I can't, I can't be a part of this. Yeah. And then it change. So to me, it's like uh, unconditional love can show up with conditions as well. It can create yeah. conditions in the manifest world. Um, and that, in, that, in that sense, that's a really powerful perspective, man. I love your perspectives on all these. It's very, they're very uh, new and dynamic. The um, unconditional love is also, yeah, creating boundaries in order for someone else to change to their to see their greatest potential. You know, and not forcefully doing it, but just saying, "Hey, this is my boundary. I protect mm-hmm. this." And, you know, that will force them to see something a bit differently and, and, and you know, the evolution of the planet begins. But do, you believe, do you believe in the greater power? And what is that to you? So I love this question because I think this is a big one for people. And I have this qualm with this word belief because to say you believe something means you don't know. And in life, you either know things or you don't know things, yeah. right? Or you can say hope. We can use the word hope. But belief is this word that human beings have taken on as to imply hoping and knowing. It's like these two things. It's like, no, but this is what I believe. But okay, you can also say this is something that I hope to be true, but I actually don't know. And the question we have to ask ourselves or inquire about whenever we ask a question or make a statement is, what am I truly going to accomplish from this? And I believe and feel that we entertain ourselves with philosophies and ideologies, but it doesn't get us closer to the truth. It's actually more powerful in my experience to acknowledge that you don't know something. (laughs) Because if you don't know something, that's the beginning of learning and knowing. The danger of believing something is there's no space for not knowing because you filled it with belief. And you say, well, I believe that there's a God, but I I don't have any room to actually find out. I believe that, you know, there's life after death, but you never, you will never feel, because the truth is, and the reason that we actually settle for belief is because not knowing is so painful, but that's the cost of admission. That's the cost. That's the ticket you have to pay to walk through the door is to reach the most profound experience of not knowing the most profound experience of fear because you don't know that is the cost of admission to actually having a realization so for me i would be lying to you if i said there are certain things i believe there are certain things i know with without question because i've had experiences that transcend this reality beyond this body I understand, and it's, it's, it's in me as a knowing. It's not in my mind as a philosophy. Mm. But me sharing these things with other people, right, become a story until you experience it. Because what happens when I share is you either are going to agree or disagree, or you're say, oh, yeah, I believe. Or, but it still, once again, doesn't get you closer to the experience. And what's important yeah. is that we build, a, we build an internal environment. So I would much rather give someone doubt than belief. I would much rather, in some ways, give you fear than belief. Why? Because I know that that is the necessary prerequisite of your internal state to finally have an experience, to finally open yourself up, to be humble enough in life. Because belief takes a certain kind of arrogance and it's it, and we're filled with it. We have yeah. all these with everything. So for me, in this conversation, there are things that I know and that are present for me that 
I'm sometimes hesitant to share because I don't know that it's supportive to other people. So I can, I can, I can point, right? But I can never take you there. So my best objective is to say, hey, how does this feel? Do you notice that? Okay, what does that do for you? Where does that take you? What do you want to do with that, right? Otherwise, we're just kind of like playing games and exchanging cards. You're like, I think the world is like this. Oh, I think life is like this. And then I've exchanged it. Maybe I've taken one, but we're still playing a game. And then when we get up and leave, you know, you've got five cards, I've got five cards, and we haven't actually won anything. Mm. For, you, for us to really graduate from this level of consciousness and this state of existence, we have to get rid of all of it. It's interesting because in the Bible, um, Jesus has this quote, and I don't know exactly what it is, but he says that some people believe I've come here to bring peace to the earth. He said, but no, I'm here to bring a sword of truth and, and put you know, mothers against fathers and, and husbands against wives because he understands that the truth does that. It's, it's sometimes chaotic. It sometimes is unsettling. Belief is so comfortable. It's so nice for the spirit, right? And for the ego, I should say. But it's very disturbing to the spirit because there's no, there's no true um, resolve. Mm. When you know something, just like, you, you know, no one's going to argue with you. So ask you, do you believe you have a hand? Yeah. You have a hand. Yeah. And, and how, how much confidence does that bring? There's, it's beyond confidence. Because you don't have to argue confidence. it. You don't have to argue it. No, exactly. So, when you, so basically when you, what you're saying is if you know something, I mean, there's no, like even if someone does know something or believe something else, there's no point to actually like forcefully push that, you know, that understanding that you have onto someone else. You just give them the opportunity if you know you have to say what you know, give them the opportunity to have that realization themselves. Yeah, and I think it's much more powerful for us to have a conversation about what we don't know than what we believe. Yeah. Because what you don't know, you also know. You're mm. conscious, you're aware, and it's an acknowledgement. Because really, what you're saying when you believe it's it's your your um, it's a lack of acknowledgement of making a statement that this is what I don't know. Yeah. When you should just say that. You should just say, yeah, you know, do you believe in a higher power? It's like, do you know or do you not know that there's a higher power? And the answer is either yes or it's no. Yeah, because a lot of us don't know. The only reason I know, the, the only the thing that I would say I know is that there is something with synchronicities mm -hmm. that keeps showing up that is too spooky to, mm -hmm. to, not, to, to dismiss. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I hear and, that. and and in, in that same sense, it's like, what's one thing that you do know then? For me? Yeah. I was meditating many years back and had an experience where I left my body and the, 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 there wasn't a, it wasn't a statement as in terms of mind. It was the experience. The fabric of what I experienced was I am life. I am life. And life can never be against itself. I am the, I am that mm. everything that is inside of my heart is in the heart of life because these two things are not separate things. They are actually not two things. They are one thing. Mm. I have the illusion that I'm an individual, but I am really, you know, one of the, the infinite expressions of, of life itself. And some people can use this word God because sometimes people feel a higher power separate than me, higher than me. And then in my experience, the realization is, no, all of it is me. Mm. And this is something I, I know with every particle in my, in my being. Yeah, that's beautiful, brother. Uh, so we're getting to the main questions now. We've had such a, some good, some good uh, perspectives in that first series. Thank you for that, man. Mm -hmm. And the first question is, 
what did your life look like as like I said before unwoke to what to compared to now like un, a bit to less aware to more aware Mm-mm-mm. I would say the most distinct um, transition if there was a moment where I felt like I crossed a threshold was actually related to the last conversation we had for me when I was in my unwokeness or or lacking the awareness of fundamental truths of existence, I was very much in this place of questioning things. I would always look around, you know, even from the time I was very young and I was like, where am I? What is this? What does it mean to be alive? What is, what am I, what am I experiencing? From the time I was very young. And that was a phase of, of, of confusion and, and feeling lost, to be honest, mm. to, to uh, being humbled enough to move more deeply into meditation and like true introspection as, as a very deep process in my life that then lead, led me to realizations of fundamental truths of life itself to where I, I woke up to it, to where those things did not become questions for me anymore. I, I, didn't, I, I grew up traditionally Christian, and so I have this kind of very strong belief system. Started questioning that. I was like, well, why are there other religions? Are these people are really going to hell? They're good people. What, what's going on? Mm. And that was me and my lack of, of, of integration. And I feel like now the phase of life that I'm in, if I witness it, is a process of actualization. It's one thing to realize. You can realize what you need to do, and there's another thing to do it, right? You can realize who you're meant to become and how you're blossoming. It's another thing to blossom. Mm. And so for me, going from a place of really having a lot of questions to now being a space where I have less questions and more directive of, of how I need to water myself in order to flower. Mm, very much on like the path of knowing and growing in a right. sense yeah did you have any vices back then say like even like were you drinking alcohol like i know you acting from a very young age like what was what was one of those vices that you had back then i mean i used to smoke a lot of weed and i, I can't say that um you know weed is a vice for some people it just it just didn't work for me anymore i think that anything can be a vice for you depending on your relationship yeah. to it like food isn't a vice but if you treat food as a vice then it becomes that yeah and so i used to smoke a, a lot point. of weed and um, I used to drink, you know, I, I don't think I would ever say that I was an alcoholic. I don't have quite an addictive personality from what I can observe. Um, but yeah, that was present for a lot of my kind of teenage to kind of early 20 years. And then after I started moving into meditation, it just, those things kind of fell away. Like I just realized they weren't serving me anymore and I didn't actually need them because yeah. one thing that we realized with any habit that we have is we believe that it's serving us. We are doing it because it's bringing some level of joy to our lives that we don't have. If you reach states of constant and consistent bliss, you no longer are gonna, it's a waste of energy to, to try to do anything that's going to bring you to where you already are. You don't need to go outside of yourself anymore. And so for me, that was definitely present um, for certain phases of life. And then I think on more subtle levels, we all have, I think, like personality vices, right? So these could be like ways of thinking and ways of being mm. that... Uh, persist and that might be things like believing you're better than other people or believing that you're smarter than other people or, or not good enough yeah I've definitely um, you know in my own life worked to continue to cultivate humility in listening and 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 oh, I love that. understanding people more and, and being more patient with people because I feel sometimes I have this internal process of just because I believe something is easy for me I believe it should be easy for other people and so I've lacked patience in some way to allow for other people to be in their process. Uh, 
and and kind of looked at some people in situations and thought, well, you should just get this. You should just know it. You should just do yeah. that. Other thing. And you don't know where it's coming from with people. So I've also also been working on you know cultivating that. That's beautiful, man. So was when were you using weed to escape anything, or was it like helping you deal with something? I don't know. I think I think sometimes yes and no. I think I did it as a inquiry. I think it opened me up. You know, they say weed is a gateway drug. It's a gateway to what? You know, different realms of consciousness, different realms of being. I was always just interested in learning about myself, and I feel like marijuana taught me a lot about myself. Yeah. Um, to the point where I didn't really feel like I needed it too much anymore. And who knows? You know, will I never smoke weed again? I don't really have much desire to, but do I have this hard wall against these things? No, I haven't. I, ha- I don't know. I just have grown to be less of that kind of person uh, in life. Yeah. To, to be dogmatic about habits or activities, I think the yeah. question we must ask ourselves is, why are you doing it? And is it serving you? And if it's not serving you, let go of it. Yeah. Um, as we become more conscious, I feel we don't have to act from a place of ideology because we once again have true experience of the benefit or lack thereof of all the things we do. And that can be relationships or thought processes or habits or all of it. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it, man. Uh, What emotion challenged you most when you were growing up in that that unwoke period, as I say? Anxiety, I've got anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, anger, you know, depression, sadness. Was there anything that was like dominating your mind, your body? I feel I've always had a pretty good relationship with managing my internal state, to be honest. I feel if anything, there was, uh, I probably experienced some like deep fear and deep grief um, when I was really going through that transition period, when I first started meditating and like was like, needing to really understand like what was going on. Um, I think there was a lot of grief and there was a lot of fear. Yeah. Uh, and, and also I feel for me, even growing up as an actor, you experience a lot of soap, like somewhat fear. I don't know if you call it social anxiety. You have so much judgment on you constantly that uh, being able to become a person that's confident enough to withstand so many different perspectives and, and people who are telling you you're not enough or you're not you know, talented yeah. enough, whatever it is, that rejection, that, that was such a big part of my theme is learning to accept myself in the sight of other people's rejection uh, because that you know, is, is the process you go through and you're constantly putting yourself out there and either getting mm. parts or not parts but the the uh in the inverse of confidence is shame right or pride i should say because confidence is different but i think a lot of people walk around with pride and they don't realize that it's just it's just shame introverted it's just turned on its head um because you become arrogant and prideful about things that you're really shameful about and so for me i think that there's probably you know subtle versions of that which made me want to feel like i needed to puff myself up with believing that I'm someone special because I yeah. probably didn't feel special enough. Yeah. It's a good level of awareness, man. It's a great level of awareness. Did you, did you ever contribute those emotions like guilt? You said you had uh, grief and fear. Mm. Did you ever contribute that to something that happened in your past, in your past experiences growing up? I feel like the thing that brought that up was actually the first time that I did mushrooms when, and which kind of uh, catalyzed my whole awakening experience. Um, I had an out by experience i wasn't in my body for quite some time a number of hours and when i came back all i saw was just death around me i was just looking at life and i was feeling quite depressed and kind of like, like grief filled because i was so purpose-filled you know as a young child and i thought i'm gonna make meaning out of my life i'm mm. gonna go accomplish these things and i feel like there's so much 
um, value we place on our existence when we have a certain kind of trajectory. When that's all stripped away from you and you see that it's all meaningless, like you really, really see it, not as a concept, you feel it. And you look around and you think, wow, everyone's putting so much importance toward these things that actually have no meaning. Your career, having money, uh, being somebody, status. It's like, this is where so much of our energy is going. Relationship, right? All this stuff. And it's like, I, had, I just had this realization. Like, this stuff is, feels meaningless. I have no, I can't even conjure up a purpose. You can't fake it, right? Some people try. Okay, I'm going to get it today and go out and, and, and accomplish this thing. But you're, what's the point? What's it worth? And so I felt this, and maybe you could call it depression as well, um, because I just didn't have, you know, to me, it's what I was alluding to early on. It's like I was in the height of not knowing. I was so disoriented and so, um, yeah, lost, really. It's like a nihilistic view, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I had that as part of the, the just the, the lens that I was existing and yeah. looking at life through. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can definitely say you've, you've uh, transcended that, that now. Anyway, right? Yeah, I feel from, from I feel my perspective at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whose love did you crave most growing up, and and who'd you have to be to get? I know you said your dad wasn't around. Was that was that the case? Yeah, I feel up until a certain phase. I feel like I was definitely cra- like my parents got divorced when I was eight, and then I was really really craving it up until maybe I was like eleven or twelve. And around that age, I realized like he's on his journey, I'm on my journey, and I can't keep putting myself out there. Like I have to learn to love myself. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. that felt quite resolved about, about that age. Um, otherwise, I'm so grateful because my mother's been extremely loving. She's an angel. She's just a saint of a woman. I'm so, That's so beautiful. grateful. Um, and so I felt very loved in that respect from her. That's beautiful, brother. And what about one of the lowest points in your life, Andrew? Like, talk me through what that was for you. Was that that, that, was that, that journey where you, like, came outside the mushroom yeah. um, journey? Like, and yeah. was suicide ever an option in your life? No, I never got to that point where I would ever felt suicidal. Um, but I definitely felt like, I, I think it's interesting because I, I always knew it was a spiritual crisis. Like, I just knew uh, it. Or, yeah. or I felt like I was always in my spirit enough to know that even if I commit suicide, I can't escape this thing because this is like a mark on my soul. It's not about me being in this realm. It's, a, it's deeper than that. And, what, and I, I was already gone. Like, I'd gone and come back. And so I knew that there's no escaping this thing. It's just... Whatever you feel, you feel. You're just in the body feeling it or you're not in the body feeling it. But the emotions and the kind of state of being is not a physical thing. And so, yeah, you want to get rid of the physical, but that stuff will stay with you. And so that was definitely that period of time I had. It was, it was, it was quite a journey. I mean, there was a period of time where I, every time I was closing my eyes to go to sleep, I felt like I was losing my mind. I was like feeling my spirit being pulled out of my body again because it was so disconnected. I was seeing things. I was hearing voices. It was, just, it was pretty far out. Mm, interesting man you've definitely um would you ever refer to yourself as like someone who's been here before like an older soul they call it yeah i mean i i was aware actually when i was quite young that i was back like like from the time i was like three and four years old i was i was um i was already present to having had been yeah now i don't have memories of my other lives um and uh yeah but i i i i I'm, have the strong feeling and sense that this isn't my first time here yeah that's cool i love that i love the way you put that what what's the uh what was the significant moment of awakening for you like was like that just was like yeah okay i see like it, i think it comes back to this mushroom journey maybe or maybe there was something else like 
that you are life. That was know? a big one. That was a big one. I mean, that was, that was, yeah, beyond measure. And I've had other ones since then. I've had other things that have come up and happened. But for me, that was um, sort of like the thing that cracks, cracked the egg open where you, it's like so obvious that the world is the way you think it is. It's not that way. And that you've been living in a very profound illusion, right? It's like the Truman Show. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you can't go back after that. You realize you're in this show. Um, so for me, that was definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you say, like, this is life. Like, I am life. I am that. Like, fuck, that's profound, eh? When you can just have that. Like, I get goosebumps thinking about it. But yeah. Um, what was the, what, what healing has helped you most on your journey? Like, you know, whether it's understanding yourself more, healing some of this grief, some of this fear, like what modality has, you know, you, I know you're a big meditator. Was that it? Was there something else? It, yeah. And, and chanting as well. Uh, chanting a lot of mantra for a while. To me, the, the process of um, chanting is almost like it's this cleansing and protection mechanism for the mind because the mind has habits and you can get really invested in those thought habits, whereas the chanting of the mantras um, helps just create another uh, ritual for the mind to connect to energetically as well. Mm. And meditation for me has also been like a cleansing practice. It's oftentimes people avoid it because it's very difficult. But I, I also will share that the reason it's beneficial is because it's difficult. Mm. It's like your spiritual gym. You know, you just burn up all the parts of you that are dense. You burn up all the things that are holding on because that's all it is, right? It's like you sit, like, why can't you just sit down and just exist? Oh, because all of this compulsion, all of this agitation, all these things that come up, it's like, when you can finally stop, you then have to absorb your entire life. Mm. And then a certain point you pass through that absorption, and then your life becomes this more blissful or spacious, you can say, uh, state of being because you've, and then you walk through the world with a little bit more awareness and you stop accumulating things. Mm. But you have to come, right? Like they say, like your day of reckoning, like you have to come to Jesus. Like you, you will absorb, whether it's now or it's later, you will absorb all of your actions. You will absorb all of your uh, I see you have this believing in karma on your, your hat. Yeah, right? yeah. That's karma, right? Cause and effect. You will absorb who you are. How can you ever avoid yourself? Where are you going to go? Right. And so for me, sitting to meditate is that acknowledgement of like, okay, uh, I'm I'm not going to run anymore. Like I'm yeah. going to choose to be here with whatever it is, whatever its experience is. Mm. My partner and I did a, a mushroom journey just recently, and we were sitting there, just us two, and she was sort of. She said to me, "She goes, I wonder if we would actually have the same profound effect as we're having now if we were to just sit down all day and listen to music and just be still and silent." And I was like, "Wow, that's an interesting thought." Mm. Um, you know, I wonder, like, because often we don't. We don't just sit there. Or we're either on our phones or on our reading a book or you know whatever. Like we, and this is I learned a lot out of this out of a passioner that mm -hmm. doing a silent retreat and that that just blew the doors off the roof you know yep. it's an interesting perspective have you done a vipassana yeah i have yeah yeah you look like you've done many like the way I, you talk or your perspective your med like i mean if you're a meditation man you're just gonna that's that's your that's your gym right there <laughs> yeah i've done one vipassana uh, full on and then i volunteered with another one partially um, awesome but yeah awesome have you met rodolfo yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's a good guy. Hey? He's um, he's done like seven or eight. He did two years silent, man. I know. I I met him. I believe when he was in that silent phase. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, he's a very beautiful man. I just met him on the weekend. Him and his partner we were just chatting for hours. Such a good, good guy. Yeah. Um, what about your friend group, Andrew? How's that changed as as you've changed? Yeah, um, I started to realize that through the evolution of my friend groups, that you were really friends with your habits, and then you find people who have similar Ooh, habits. Wow! 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 So, That's profound. Like, when I was in my earlier years and I wanted to go out and party, I'd say, who wants to party tonight? Oh, my friend, I can call them. They're going to want to go out. So I connect with them. Who's got the weed if I want weed and who's going to smoke with me? And I call them. And so I realized that the relationship actually built around your habits. And the second that the habit goes away, unless that friend releases that habit too, you can't really keep building a foundation in that relationship because there's no time to, to meet. And so I'm grateful now I have such you know, profound and beautiful friends, like soul connections, some that I see more or less, um, but a lot that are just extremely deep. And so even if I check in with a friend once a year, it's like, oh, you know, this is a really beautiful relationships. But even now today, to be honest, I don't hang out with a lot of people. I don't have like regular friends that I see very often, but I have very deep connections that I will like, you know, connect with periodically um, throughout uh, time. Mm. I'm, I'm at this phase where I'm more interested in building with people. Like, so if I'm going to have a relationship or a friend, I'm interested, what are we going to create together? Yeah. Like what how are we going to impact the world positively? That's my question. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful, man. And that's such a good statement. Like quite profound that it shook me actually. Like we're friends with our habits and, and, and that's how we connect. We connect through our habits. Wow. I love that, brother. So we've got a, a couple more questions. So this question is what part of your conscious journey are you most grateful for? I feel that I've been really graced by certain people who have entered my life. I feel so grateful for anybody that I would um, identify as being a teacher for me in moments where I felt so uh, in need of that kind of support and to have someone, and this is like multiple individuals, show up as the embodiment of that answer, right? Not philosophically, not information, but someone who I can feel qualitatively is resonating with the truth that I had been searching for or trying to feel if that exists. But just overall, just the moments where certain books came into my life, certain, you know, audio talks. Synchronicities, would you call them? Yeah, synchronicities for sure. And, and, the, and the gift that they held inside of them mm. as, as I was in that space of life, uh, of needing that. Mm, that's awesome, brother. What, what's one tip? that you would give your old self, you know, just starting this journey, something that he would need? In terms of what I know now, I would say just to cultivate a deep quality of listening, you know, humility and listening to me is the fertile soil, uh, which, which we can actually plant our growth because arrogance is never a ground, you know, in knowing and believing and all of that is really to, cultivate more curiosity and cultivate more listening mm. but it's hard to say because i can't I, I truthfully don't feel like i lacked a lot of that i feel like that's always been present for me but i now have seen the benefits of that and so it's it's kind of a mantra for me and it's something that i even want to tell my present self constantly always listen more learn more mm. <laughs> yeah that's what one of the greatest things I learned from Oprah actually a couple of years ago, maybe four years ago now, when I was in Canada living there. And it was so profound. And she said, the greatest gift I ever 
ever learnt or ever was given was the gift of active listening. Mm. And I was like, whoa. And then she goes to explain what active listening is. It's like, because truly we're, what we're doing is we're listening to think of what we're going to say next. So we're not actually really listening. We're just saying like, what's the trigger to allow us to interject our wisdom or our knowledge so we mm. can stamp our authority on that conversation or whatever. Like our ego yeah, yeah. wants to interject, you know? And so I totally relate with that. That was one of the greatest gifts. Am I good at it completely? No, I could definitely be better. Right. And But it's it's one of those things that it's something that you will cultivate over time and some sooner rather than later, but it's a gift that I think we can all take. Yeah, definitely, I agree. What is humility? I just want to add this last one in there because that was the last question, but you've mentioned humility twice and I'm a big advocate for it and having it more in your life. What does humility look like and, and mean to you? To me, humility is realizing that you're nothing. <laughs> Fuck yes. I love that. It's, it's realizing that. It's knowing it. It's not a, it, and humility is, is something that you can obviously aspire towards and realize you, you'll never have achieved it. One of my favorite uh, quotes on humility is that once you think you've got it, you've lost it. Right? It's like, Humility is the thing that... It's like the, the down. It sounds like the down, man. Yeah. <laughs> the only way you can have it is by pursuing it and feeling that you never have it, right? Because mm. um, only the ego and arrogance would say that I've accomplished this state of humility. Oof, wow. But it's really, you know, the, the paradox is, is when... And in the Tao, they also talk about that, like space. Like everything can fall into the thing that is nothing. Like when you, when you become or you are and realize the absence of self and you're just this, you know, space. Now you can also simultaneously be everything because mm -hmm. there's nothing stopping you from receiving it all, right? Yeah. There's nothing in your mind that keeps you from being able to hear, to feel, or to, because you're humble enough to, to do that. And I think, yeah, it's always something that I aspire to have more of. Yeah, I love that. I know we're coming close to our time, but I just wanted to throw this last one in there because it's been relevant recently and mm. I had a call about this this morning. What is, if, 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 you know, we talk about humility being you are nothing mm. and the ego wanting to, to, to call themselves, to call itself having, uh, say, labeling itself as having humility, what would, mm. how does manifestation fall in that sense and like craving des or wanting desires and wanting achievements and wanting to mm. manifest this great life for us? How does humility and manifestation coexist? Does it? Yeah, I feel that we're, we're creators. We are creation, right? That's what life is. Life is mm. creation. We are creations. We're creators. Mm. The question always comes down, <laughs> excuse me, it always comes down to where we're creating from because there are, there are things inside of you that are really unique seeds that the universe has planted in your spirit to actualize in this world. One way to feel the distinction is if it really feels like a giving, if it feels like an expression, not because you want to accumulate something, right? So sometimes we're manifesting, which is a symptom. It's like, I want to do all this stuff because I want to have the big house. Well, really at the seed of it, you want a big house because you're insecure and you don't feel like you're worthy. And so like the, the actual seed can only bear the fruit that it is. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is the source of our desire to manifest? We want to create a more beautiful world that works for everyone that's a desire we have that we want to manifest but because it is inclusive and acknowledging of the entire spectrum of life and other people that is something that doesn't come from the individual personality that comes from life itself 
And so this to me is the journey that we're always yes. in, is trying to listen to which voice do we actually listen to and take action on. And we have the capacity to even manifest things that are egotistical and personal desires, but they will never satisfy our soul because of the source of their creation to begin with. So humility to me is having the spaciousness to listen to where is this desire to manifest X or Y? Where is it coming from? Where will it really lead me? Because if it's not coming from the totality of life, it will only build your ego or it will only hopefully help you realize the limitation in life's pursuits that are so limited. Well done, man. Well said. I love that. Thank you for adding that. And it's always beautiful to hear so many different perspectives in this in this woke man series and you've provided definitely your signature experience like that deeper level of awareness of where you're currently at and mm -hmm. i'm grateful to have your time and have you share that part of your journey and your part of that part of your life with us wow. and i'm excited to share this with everyone else and if anyone else uh, wants to contact you i'll have your instagram on there and awesome. that's that's all that, that will be on there but they can just message you or just start following you for more of that but thank you very much brother i appreciate thank it for the invitation. always love having these conversations appreciate what you're doing um you ask great questions it's, it's been beautiful thank you brother and thank you to everyone for listening and i'll catch you on the next episode bye I got love in my eyes, bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just me Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.